What do you want to be known by? Is that a fair question to ask? What do I want to be known by? Maybe a better question is, is that a fair question for ourselves to answer? Or is there an answer already given to us? I think there's an answer given to us. And we're going to look at that today. A good story takes us on a journey. It reminds us of where we've been and shows us where we could go. A good story makes us feel and inspires us to act. Welcome to the Good Story Podcast, where everyday stories that make you laugh, cry, or feel slightly uncomfortable will leave you inspired as Kirsten King tells true stories and teaches truth. There's a coffee shop that I like going to, and it's in St. Paul on Grand Avenue called Bread and Chocolate. It has great sandwiches, it has great coffee, and it has amazing cookies, just amazing cookies. I went there one day because I was going to study. I was going to write, actually write a paper. I came in, and I had my briefcase, I had my computer, I had my bag of books, I had all the stuff with me. And I walked in, and I was so excited because one of the two tables that has an outlet right by them was open. The one that's a booth, and it sits right by the window. And this was so great. So I went and I put all my stuff down. I went up and I bought what I was going to be eating for breakfast that day. I sat back down, put my food to the right, my computer in front of me, tucked my left leg underneath me to prop me a little bit higher in the booth because it isn't quite high enough for typing. And I began to write. And I had some ideas. And then I had another idea. And I kept having ideas, so I kept on writing. And I had food next to me, and it was good food, so I kept on eating. And I kept both of those things going, writing and eating, writing and eating, until I ran out of both things. No more ideas and no more food. I stopped. I sat back in the booth a little bit, and I thought, okay, hmm, maybe I'll get up, walk around, clean up this garbage, get a cookie, and sit back down, and maybe I'll have another idea. So I untucked my leg from underneath me, and as I did, I took it out and planted it to the left of the booth where I was sitting. I put all my garbage on the tray, and I lifted the tray at the same time as I lifted my right leg that I was going to plant down next to my left leg and begin walking toward the garbage. Unfortunately, my left leg had fallen asleep. I put my leg down, lifted my right leg up, and I went down, just boom, on the ground, threw my tray, my garbage went everywhere, and I laid there at first not knowing what had happened. I started filming my face with my hands and my leg and went, oh my goodness. And a man behind me said, excuse me, ma'am. And I turned around, I'm like, you mean me? He's like, yeah, did your left leg just fall asleep? And I went, oh, that's it. That's exactly what just happened. And I started like gathering little crumbs and stuff right at my feet, picked those up and kind of lifted myself onto an open chair that was next to me, sat there for a minute until I could feel my leg enough to trust it, started walking toward my other garbage that was strewn about. And it's like, oh, oh," you know, because it felt so weird and I'm picking it all up, went over, threw it away, hobbled over to get a cookie because seriously, we can't skip that. Hobbled over, got a cookie, hobbled back and sat back down at where I was. Not that long after that, I went back to this coffee shop, and this time I was going to go meet another woman, and we were going to talk about an event that I was speaking at. 
So we came and we, she wanted to tell me kind of what they were going to be doing that morning. She wanted to hear about what was on my heart for the message and things. So we sit down. I get there early. So I sit down. I have my stuff. There was no tables open by the windows. So I sat kind of in the center at just a two-person table. I had grabbed a latte and I sat down and had it sitting next to me and waited. And then she came in, got her coffee, sat down, had her papers and books on the table as well, had her purse tucked under her feet and sat down across from me. She was telling me about her event and it sounded great. And then she was asking about my message and I was telling her I was really thinking I was going to be talking about the holiness of God and I'd been reading in Revelation where it's holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And I got to this part and I said, the God who was and the God who is and the God who is to come and I was going to talk about this and I said, I thought we could talk about that. The God who was and I kind of did a karate chop motion to my left. And then I said, and the God who is and I did a karate chop motion right in the middle of myself. And then I said, and the God who is to come and I did a karate chop motion to the right. And at this time, I karate chopped the top of my plastic coffee cover, split it in half, slipped the coffee cup from underneath it where it slid out, sprayed coffee all over the table, didn't get a drop on me, but got on her papers, got on her, and then landed over and landed in her purse. I thought, oh my goodness, I got to tell you, I've been to that coffee shop many times before and many times after, but you know what I'm known by? I walk in and it's kind of like, oh, here comes catastrophe. And people laugh and that's what they remember. What about us? What are we to be known by? I suggest that Jesus gives us an answer for this. He wants us to be known as people who love. He wants us to be known as people who love. Because as we love, we are going to be able to point others to him. This is seen in John chapter 13. I'm going to talk about John 13, and I encourage you to read the whole chapter sometime on your own if you'd like. We're not going to be able to read the whole um, chapter today, but we will be reading portions of it. Jesus, by what he says and what he does, teaches his disciples how to love. By what he says and what he does. First, let's look at what he says in John 13, 34 and 35, he says this, a new command I give you. Now remember, the disciples are hearing him speak for the first time. They don't know that this is going to be the Bible. They record this later on. But Jesus says to them, a new command I give you. And they might stop and think, what, a new command? Is this like number 11? Is this going to be on a tablet? Should we be watching the sky? What's going on? And then he says, a new command I give you, love one another. And they're like, what? That's not new. Leviticus 19, he knows it. He has to know it. He says, love one another. But then he goes on. As I have loved you, he's teaching them in his words. So you must love one another. He's explaining to them, this is what you must do. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now, if we are reading this in a book, if somebody had drawn this, we might see these disciples sitting around like little think bubbles over their heads. Oh, oh, I get it. Oh, I. Huh. Because what are they thinking? They're thinking back to how did Jesus love them? How did Jesus love them? And if we skim back quickly, reverse quickly to the beginning of John 13, we see exactly how we did it. How did Jesus love them? He washed his disciples' feet. It was just before Passover. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world. He was going to go back to the Father. And having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. 
all of it. He showed him the full extent of his love. How did he do it? John 13, continuing in verse 2. The evening meal was being served. The devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a the towel that was wrapped around him. Isn't that a weird juxtaposition of verses? <laughs> you go from verse 3 and you, what happens next, it does, you don't expect it. Jesus knew the Father had put all things under his power. Jesus knew that he had come from God and Jesus knew he was returning to God. So what does he do? He gets up, takes off his outer cloak and wraps a towel around his waist. And he washes his disciples' feet. This is amazing. This is remarkable. This was a job for a servant. This was a job that the host should have provided someone to do. We don't know prior to this what the disciples were thinking. We can't know. We, we know what they weren't thinking. They weren't thinking, huh, nobody washed our feet. Maybe I'll do that for us. No, they're probably thinking, oh, that guy should do it. Hey, Bartholomew, get up and wash your feet. You'll get your name in. Come on. No. They were probably thinking the next guy should. They maybe were thinking that their hosts were lame. They're just slackers because they didn't provide the foot washer. I mean, seriously, come on. But they weren't thinking they should do it because they knew it was not their job. It was not their responsibility. It was not their position or place. But Jesus does it. And as this is happening, they feel the uncomfortableness of it. Peter sees it isn't right. <laughs> and what does he say? When Jesus comes to Simon Peter, he says, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Ah, we don't know if he's pulling his feet away from him or what. But then Jesus says, unless I wash you, Peter, you have no part with me. Oh, then Peter replies, okay, not just my feet. Wash my hands. Wash my head as well. Jesus answered, ah, person who has a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body's clean and you are clean. Though not every one of you, for he knew he was going to betray him. And that was why he said not every one of you is clean. When he had finished washing all of their feet, he put on his clothes and he returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. And what does Jesus say? He explains to them in his words what he had just done. He said, you call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for that is what I am. Okay, now that I, your Lord, your master, the one who's in charge, now that I'm their Lord and teacher, the one who's been telling you what to do, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Because I am telling you the truth. No servant, none of you is greater than me, your Lord and teacher. A messenger, you, is not greater than the one who has sent him, me. Now that you know these things, now that I'm explaining to you, you are going to be blessed if you do them. Jesus loves in this example. He loves. He's the master. He's the Lord. He should have somebody washing his. But he takes this time. Now, we need to just ask for one more, just one second before we go on and go back to verse 34 and 35. Who did Jesus love in this example? We see it's his disciples, right? It's his disciples, though, without exception. He included the one who was to betray him 
And if you read verses 18 to 30, you can read more about Judas. He's the one who turns him over to the people to have him killed. And Jesus washes his feet. Jesus also washes the feet of the one who would deny him. That's Peter. Peter, who's like all in, hey, wash all of me. As Jesus is like, no, and he's explaining, hey, you've had a bath, you're clean, you just need your feet washed. And he's washing him. As he's explaining this, what does Jesus know about these feet? These feet are going to follow after him as Jesus is being dragged around here and there and here and there. He knows these feet are going to walk by a campfire. He knows these feet are going to be standing there as some girl says, hey, don't you know Jesus? And he knows these feet are going to run away and say, no, I don't know who you're talking about. And Jesus chooses to love and wash Peter's feet. This is the kind of love that he has. And when Jesus says, hey, you know, you see this, you see what I'm doing. This is an example that you should do as I have done for you. That's what he's referring to when he goes on in verse 34, where we started. Love one another. How? As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And now we're back to this passage. And then Jesus says something else. He says why we should do the same thing. He says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. People will identify you as a Christ follower, as a Christian, if you love. You love one another. You love as I have loved. Who has Jesus loved? He has loved even his enemy. Who has Jesus loved? He has loved us. We read about that in Romans. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He loves us. Who must we love? We must love one another. We must be known by that. And why? Why so? Because as we are known by this love, as we are known as people who love, they're going to know that we are Christ's disciples. As we wash one another's feet, as we let another go first, as we focus more on serving than on being served, as we don't criticize, as we look for ways to meet the needs of others, when we love those who are unlovable, we are showing a love that Christ has shown to his disciples and commanded that we do too. And what did he say? If you know these things, you're going to be blessed if you do them. What would happen? What would happen when we would be the first one to do the unexpected act of service, rather than being the first one to expect others to do for us? This love is going to bring hope. It will speak to someone greater than ourselves. It will point others to Jesus. What should we be known by? We shouldn't be known by anything. But we should be loving other people so that all can come to know the one who sends us. Because he is the one making it possible. It's the love we've received it's the love we've enjoyed. It's the love that we've allowed to transform us. It's this love that's a fruit of the Holy Spirit's presence in our life. It's this love that we can share with others in our actions and our words that Jesus is a God of love. We can do that today. We can do that this week. We can live our lives looking for ways to love other people.